Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth and the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. I mentioned that this is like something that I've been waiting a long time to share. I feel like uh, probably six or seven months ago when I was first starting this position, God gave me a template for the next two to three years, what we can expect, how we are to posture ourselves, and I thought I was just supposed to sit on it forever. You know, it's been ruminating, Um, but I think it's basically where this whole series of reception has come from. How we receive Jesus. You know, you learn different things in scriptures. You can learn something by the way someone reacted, or you can learn something by the way someone did not react in scripture. But I think that Jesus is teaching us how do we respond and posture ourselves right now dealing with things that many others have dealt with, but learning the lessons from the way they received or didn't receive Jesus well. And I think that traditionally you look at scripture and you always go, okay, where was the church born? The church was born in Acts 2 with the Holy Spirit coming. They were waiting in the upper room, the same room that they took Passover with Jesus and had the Last Supper. And there the Holy Spirit came and blew through like a mighty wind. But that wasn't the first time that they had the opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit. The first time actually was when Jesus in that same upper room breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Why didn't that have the same effect as them being gathered together in the upper room in anticipation of where Jesus is coming? So that's what I'm going to talk about today, how we position our hearts in a way so that it does hit us the way it needs to, that we are in a place where we can receive it directly from the throne room and Give the, have this gift that Jesus has begun to prepare us for even in this season. What it means for us as Missio Day Humble Park is that at this time we've been talking a lot about preparation and about receiving. There is something that God is doing in this time that it doesn't seem like we're just supposed to be waiting and being frustrated and counting all the number of things that are going wrong or that could be right, but there is a place for us to be positioning our hearts. So the verse is in John 20, 21 through 23, actually 19 through 23. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst. He said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, then they are retained. This is John 20, and in John 20, 20, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. As 2020, 
the year that became the worst in recent American history, we were being shown the pain of life. That we were able to experience the pain that others had really locked up inside themselves, but it was now being spread out across every socioeconomic sphere and across every ethnic sphere. This is what gave a lot of fire to the justice movement. Oh, we have a pain that we can experience together. And in this time that Jesus is appearing to these disciples who are huddled in fear behind the same door where they had received um, the Lord's body, they were huddled in fear. Then Jesus appears in their midst and says, Peace unto you. And he says, Let me show you my hands and my side. That we sometimes believe sharing a life with Jesus is means that he takes all of our trouble away. So many have walked away from Jesus because that wasn't what they thought it was going to happen, where their privilege was actually keeping them away from pain. And they thought that Jesus was doing that. But oh no, 2020 taught us that no matter what your privilege is, that you still have access to pain. That we've had trauma at the start of the pandemic that we couldn't escape from no matter what we had, no matter who we knew, no matter our spiritual advancement, our emotional health or intelligence, we could not get away from this pain. Jesus showed him his hands and his side. And we begin to understand what it is to fellowship with Jesus. In Matthew 22 and 24, the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest in the kingdom. I want to sit at your right hand when you ascend to the, into heaven. No, I want to sit at your right hand. We all think that sitting at the table of honor or being in victory or experiencing abundance means that we just have people under us. We can tell them whatever we want them to do. We can, um, what I say goes. That's what we think it means to be great in this world, that it's success. 2020 was trying to teach us something else that Jesus has been attempting to teach us, even as he responded to his disciples by saying, there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, the king of exile, king of the Gentiles exercised lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table, or he who serves? Is not he who sits at the table, yet I am among you as the one who serves. Jesus didn't come to be the boss. He came to serve each and every one of us. And only those who serve know the pain of suffering. That even as we serve each other in our relationships, as we put our heart out there constantly, and our heart is broken over and over again, and then the next time we go, ah, I don't know if I'm really doing that again. 
with the verse that's the same as the year. Jesus was showing us what that pain is like to hold people close and then have them betray you. To show your heart to folks and they turn and throw it on the ground. That he was showing us his hands and his side and a pain that we can't run from. That we're praying that we are advancing in Jesus. But not this way. I mean, come on. Let it be some other kind of way. Let it be another way that brings us to where we need to be. But this is not God caused, but it is God used. That he brings all these items that are arrayed in the world, some come from our own decisions, some come from the decisions of others, and he uses them to make us into these whole pure-hearted individuals, even us, yes, us, as Missio Day Humble Park, who has washed them so much that have seen their core constantly dwindled and people decide to walk and go somewhere else. And we know every time that happens, even as a pastor, I understand every time that happens, ah, we feel the pain of those. We feel the pain of rejection. We feel the pain of, ah, God, I saw a promise of this being a thriving community in a thriving community. And that's not happening. That we are sharing in a fellowship of suffering with Jesus. That pain, it's a pain that you can't easily escape. Has anybody ever grieved before? Grief is like a pain that you can't escape. You don't know where it's coming from. You try everything that you can do to get away from it. Even as in the midst of this pandemic, we have been constantly grieving over and over the things that we are losing. And I understand that. I understand moving through life with a constant pain, wondering when it's going to be, brought to the surface. When I met my wife, we lived in Lake Zurich, and anybody that's been to the northwestern suburbs knows there's not a lot of people who look like me there. There's beautiful big houses and a lot of wealth and Barrington and all that. And so uh, me and my wife were living in a house that she had grew, grew up in, and her parents had moved to Reading at the time. And they had come back, I think, to visit for a summer or something like that. And they were having some work done in the house. I was sitting on the porch reading a book or something. And so one of the guys goes to Liz's dad and says, do you know there's a black guy on your porch? <laughs> what? <laughs> and he goes, uh, yeah, I know. That's my son-in-law. And that's not the only time something like that would happen. Where people would get, go, oh, do you know there's a black guy on your property? 
Or, oh, do you know this person who's like, you know, seeming to be free with your resources, but they don't look like they belong here. And so sometimes I have a tendency to walk through life, especially where I live on the north side, fully expecting that pain to come from somewhere else. Truthfully, some of the worst kind of encounters I've had like that, well, not, you know, encounters I've had similar to that have been at Moody. So what that does is it makes me not want to go there and not want to engage there at all. But I think that as a believer, pain is not supposed to scare us from things or scare us from places, but it has us lean into it even more because we know we can fellowship with Jesus in his sufferings, that he can understand us in the midst of all of our pain, and he can see us in the midst of it all. It's crazy true sometimes that God teaches us by hardship what we refuse to learn by peaceful revelation. God is like in his quiet time, let me tell you about what needs to happen concerning justice in this country? Oh, we don't want to hear it. Remember, everything is not God caused, but it surely is God used. And so he begins to teach us. The man who decides to cheat on his wife. And the Holy Spirit speaks to him constantly and says, hey, you know, you're going down the wrong road. You know, it's... You're going down the wrong road. Peaceful revelation. Where God is attempting to speak to us before we crash into a wall. But no, sometimes it takes the stubborn human to crash into a wall to realize they've been going in the wrong place, in a wrong direction. But this is God in his grace who is attempting to speak to us and love us right where we are. And I imagine these disciples, they're like huddled in fear, bracing for the impact of another disappointment. The Savior that they had followed was dead. There was no optimistic person in this scenario. They had saw him brutally crucified. Most of them didn't see him brutally crucified because they had run for fear that they would lose their own lives. And here they are in the same space where days before they had received Passover, the Last Supper with Jesus. This room. Some believe this is not the upper room, but it's built in a location that is very close to being the upper room, that a place of joy in the Passover and Jesus is speaking in all these metaphors that you don't really understand. Maybe you're taking his body and is broken to return to this space in fear that the Jews are going to come kill you the same way that they killed Jesus. And Jesus appears in their midst and says, 
peace unto you. Fearful. So much anxiety. The unknown future. That it's enough to walk away. No one would blame someone from walking away from an uncertain future. A darkness. Not knowing where you're going. Not seeing the fruit that you demand to be seen. God, we've been here. We've been giving. We've been attending. We've been coming every Sunday, God. There is no fruit. There is no fruit. And we talked about last week that the crushing produces an anointing, an oil that is important that we hold on to and we don't give it away. We will see the object of our heart's desire if we do not give up. If we don't give up. Because all the shaking is doing is shaking the things that are not like God anyway. And what is left will be called the remnant. What is left will be called those who are given to him. That there's a place that we would go when we were in Africa and it was, you had the bush and then you had the bush bush, which was darkness personified. When the sun went down, that was it. If you had headlights on your vehicle, maybe that would help, but you didn't want to do that and run down your battery. It was darkness personified. But when I tell you I've seen more miracles in that environment than I've ever seen in my life, I'm telling you, God specializes in the unknown. That he's preparing us in this darkness and this fear of when is the next COVID wave going to come? Oh, when is the next person going to leave? When am I going to lose my next friend? When, if, when is this going to happen? When is this? I mean, I thought this would be a thriving church by now. And by all measures of the world's measures, it doesn't seem that way. By all metrics, the world uses. It doesn't seem to be that way. You know, we got some savings now. Somebody is cleaning the church, which you can see as progress. But God, I mean, come on. We're doing the right things. Where are all the people at? And he's saying, do you believe I'm preparing you? I'm never going to take you anywhere that I don't prepare you for. So while they were huddled in darkness, why would Jesus have to say, peace be with you? They were afraid. Peace be with you. 2020, showed him his hands and his side. Let me show you the pain and the fellowship of your sufferings. John 20 and 22, now receive the Holy Spirit. And he blows on them. And there weren't any massive salvations. 
This is not where the church says they started. Why not? It was a different reception. They were receiving Jesus fearfully. Afraid of what was going to happen in the darkness. Now let's juxtapose that with Acts. In Acts 1. Acts 1, 12 through 14. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, the same room. This is now the third visit to their room, according to Scripture. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. What was different? First of all, in Acts 1, Jesus has said, I am going, but I am instituting my kingdom by leaving you with the help of the Holy Spirit. He had warned them and told them that something was on the way. Therefore, they went into this room not in fear but with expectation and hunger. And in prayer and supplication, they waited, and then we know what happens next. In Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes like a rushing, mighty wind and completely changes history from this same room where Jesus had blown on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. That we are being positioned to receive an abundance from the Holy Spirit. An abundance from Jesus. But how do we posture and position ourselves when we feel like we're supposed to be huddled in fear, waiting for the other shoe to drop? How do we stir up in our hearts a hunger for what he is doing? that ensures we receive Jesus with open hearts. And it's the Holy Spirit. That even as Jesus blows on us, how ready are we to receive this abundance from him? I remember when I received the Holy Spirit, and I'm sure some of you have heard me tell the story, but it was a dark time in my life. I had just visited Chicago. I was, you know, wilding out and partying, and I gave my life to Jesus in a hotel room on the Mag Mile and went home completely changed. My mother prayed for me and with me, and I received the Holy Spirit as like a heat coming down upon me and filling me and I spoke in tongues. And I would like to tell you that that happened and then every single bit of trouble I had went away. <laughs> I didn't have any consequences for the things I had done before. I did. 
But there was something different. There is a different well that I draw from now than I did then. Imagine the only well of joy having is from watching a comedy. Imagining your well of peace being only from visiting the right location at the right time. Now imagine walking around with this well inside of you. That we are always primed for a comeback. And I believe 2023 is going to be a year of forgiveness. Forgiveness that covers this country and begins to heal us from all that we have seen. 2021 was more peaceful than 2020. It felt like a vacation in some ways. We're still struggling through the same things. We're being prepared in this year to receive the Holy Spirit. And in 2023, we're going to see a mass movement of forgiveness that begins to heal this country from the inside out. And that as we cultivate, are you hungry? Then there is a place for you. Are you afraid or anxious? Then there is a place for you. Are you waiting? Then there is a place for you. All of those emotions and all of those states of being existed in that upper room. That we don't have to worry about getting it together. That we can be where we are and be generous. And generosity is not always just about resources. It includes resources, but it's also about our time, our attitude, our joy to others. Are we willing to encourage someone else that we can be fearful, anxious, and waiting, but still in a place to receive. That there's a hunger he wants to stir up in us that allows us to receive his abundance. That stewardship to God is much more important than the thing that we would be in a place where we would lose a thing if he gave us too much at the wrong time. We always yearn for what we're not ready to have. It's just human nature. God, if I just had this, things would be better. How long do you think you could last in that state? How long do you think you can manage that kind of power without the preparation that even comes through prayer and supplication. Some of the hardest things that I've ever had to do is be generous when I'm fearful. I can't even be generous to my children if my fear and my anxiety is high. I can't be generous with my time enough to be patient to explain things to them. I can't be patient here in this environment, in my marriage, if my fear and anxiety is high. But there's a place of hunger that God is stirring up in us 
where we could take these steps toward him to receive what he has for us. And knowing that as much as we don't like it, world history has been shaped by disease. It just has. When did the Renaissance happen? After the plague. We still go and enjoy the artworks that came from that time, from the likes of Raphael and Michelangelo and Bernini and all of these like great sculptors and painters. We like the result. Rarely do we think about the history that happened for that. So as the church, we have to be ready to be primed for a comeback that we have this oil that we're providing, that we're holding, that's lighting this fire, that just don't give up. In whatever situation you're in, just don't give up.